Welcome to Bouncing Forward. I'm Amy Purdy. I believe that our challenges give us the opportunity to live an even greater life with more meaning and purpose. Through my own experience of losing my legs at 19 years old and going on to become a professional athlete, New York Times bestselling author, and world-renowned motivational speaker, I've learned that overcoming our obstacles has nothing to do with bouncing back. It has everything to do with bouncing forward. That's why on this podcast, I'm sharing stories of resilience, setbacks, and remarkable comebacks. Your journey to bouncing forward starts here. Hello, today I'm so excited because this is episode number one of my podcast, Bouncing Forward, and I am so grateful that you are here. What inspired me to create this podcast is this. There was a time last year when I was in one of the most darkest spaces of my life. I had multiple surgeries to try to save the remainder of my left leg. And the reason I say the remainder is because those of you who already know my story, you know that I already have two prosthetic legs. And I'll share some of that journey with you today. However, about a year and a half ago, when this injury in the artery of my left leg hit, I was terrified that I couldn't control the outcome, and I was searching for stories of setbacks and comebacks and stories of miracles of people who have gone through hell and back, how they did it, and not only how they survived, but how they went on to thrive. And those stories were surprisingly kind of hard to find. You often see people on the mountaintop, conquering their obstacle, but you rarely hear stories of people in the midst of their journey or who really share the depths of what they have gone through. And even though I have my own setback and comeback story, in fact, I've shared it all over the world and even wrote a book about it that became a New York Times bestseller, I have really needed to hear other people's journeys of grit and resilience through major challenges to help me get through my own. And another reason why I wanted to do this podcast was there was a time when I lost my legs and I made it my goal that when I figured all this out, I would help others do the same. In fact, that's the goal that I gave myself as I was being wheeled into the operating room at 19 years old, getting ready to have both of my legs amputated. I gave myself three goals and one of them was that I wanted to help other people live their best life no matter what circumstances they face. So writing a book, being a motivational speaker, and now doing this podcast is a way of doing that. And since this podcast is all about stories of resilience and using our obstacles to get ahead, I thought it would only be fitting to kick it off by sharing my own story, or at least part of it, and how I used my own obstacles to bounce forward and to get ahead. If your life was a book and you were the author, how would you want your story to go? The reason I ask you this question is because this is the question that changed my life forever. I grew up in the hot Las Vegas desert, not exactly where you expect a professional snowboarder to come from, but we actually had ski resorts outside of Las Vegas, and my family taught me to ski at a young age, and then I fell in love with snowboarding, and I used to daydream about traveling the world, living in a place where it snowed, and I would picture all of the stories that I go on to tell. 
At the age of 19, I moved to a place where it snowed. I moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, where I became a massage therapist because with this job, all I needed were my hands and my massage table by my side, and I could go anywhere. For the first time ever, I felt free, independent, and completely in control of my life. That is, until my life took a detour. The day began just like any other day. I woke up feeling great as usual. When I went to work, I had about five back-to-back massages, although normally I would have enough energy to work a full day and also go to the gym afterwards. But this day was different. After my third massage, I was exhausted and I actually kind of blamed it on the poor guy who I was massaging because, you know, sometimes people can give you energy. Sometimes people can just suck the life out of you. And I thought, geez, this guy is absolutely draining me. What is going on? But over the next hour or so, I realized that my back was a little bit achy, my neck was a little bit achy. So thinking I had the flu, I decided to go home from work early. That night, I had a temperature of 101. That's typical flu-like symptoms. That's not too bad. The next morning, my temperature actually broke. So seeing that I felt better, my family decided to follow through with their travel plans and go out of town. And I said, don't worry about me. I probably have a 24-hour flu or something. I'll meet up with you guys later. But that afternoon, instead of feeling better, I started to feel worse. At one point, my mom called to check on me. And I said, God, mom, I feel like I'm dying. And she said, well, you're probably a little bit dehydrated. Get to the hospital if you need to. And I just have to make a little side note here that, you know, I was always the dramatic one of the family. So when I was sick, and even to this day when I am sick, I always feel like I'm dying. And so there was really nothing at that time telling me that I really was dying. But then when I got off the phone with her, I shut my eyes and I fell asleep. And not long after closing my eyes, I felt this strong urge to wake up. But when I tried to open my eyes, I couldn't. Over and over, I would force myself awake. And then finally, I fell into the deepest sleep that I have ever felt. And then suddenly, I heard a voice say, Amy, get up and look in the mirror. And this voice was so startling that I immediately opened my eyes. I looked around. I didn't see anybody there. And as I was sitting up, I started to realize that something was really, really wrong. My heart was beating out of my chest. I was so weak. I was so shaky that it probably took a good three to five minutes just to get into a seated position. And I scooted to the edge of the bed and I put my feet on the floor and I stood up and I realized that I couldn't feel my feet. When I glanced to the floor, I saw that my feet were purple. When I glanced at my hands, I saw that my hands were purple, and when I looked at my reflection in the mirror, I saw that my nose, my chin, and my cheeks were purple as well. I was terrified, and right then, I knew that I was dying. My cousin walked in. My mom had called her to come check on me, and she took one look at me, and she cried, oh my god, Amy, it looks like you're dead. And I said, I'm dying. I'm dying. I know I am. I have to get to the hospital right now. Well, the hospital was only 15 minutes away, and I don't know why we didn't think of calling 911, but every minute of that car ride felt like an hour. I had to talk myself through every breath I took. I'd say, Amy, just breathe, just breathe. And by the time I got to the hospital, my lungs had collapsed, my veins had collapsed, I was put on life support, 
and I was given less than a 2% chance of living. And it wasn't until five days later, as I lay in a coma, that the doctors debated outside my hospital room who was going to tell my parents that it was time to pull the plug that I was diagnosed with something called meningococcal meningitis. It wasn't the flu at all. We have no idea how I got it. All we know is one in four people are carriers of this bacteria. That's 25% of the population. Usually you don't get sick with it. Otherwise, a lot more people would be sick with it. It's actually fairly rare to get sick with it. But when you do, it's very deadly. And they say within the first 15 hours of your first flu-like symptom, it's extraordinarily deadly. I don't know the exact percentage, but something like 85% of the people will die within the first 15 hours of your first flu-like symptom. So over the course of two and a half months, I ended up losing my spleen. I lost my kidney function. I lost the hearing in my left ear, and due to the septic shock that my body went into, I ended up losing both of my legs below the knees. So my life changed in the blink of an eye. I went from being a normal 19-year-old without a care in the world who could just throw on a dress and a pair of flip-flops and run out the door and not think twice about it, to now relying on machines, mechanics, and medical innovation in order to live and in order to even survive. I had so many surgeries by the time I left the hospital that I felt like I was just pieced back together like a patchwork doll. And I thought the worst was over. That is, until I saw my new legs for the very first time. They were these bulky blocks of metal with pipes bolted together for the ankles. They were hideous. They looked like they were straight out of the Home Depot plumbing department. And I remember my prosthetist walking in the room with these legs in his arms and thinking, those can't possibly be my legs for the rest of my life. How the heck am I going to do this? And with my mom by my side and tears streaming down our faces, I strapped on these chunky legs and I stood up. They were so painful and so confining that all I could think was, how am I going to travel the world in these things? How am I going to live this life full of adventure and stories as I always wanted? And how was I going to snowboard again? This day, I went home, I crawled into bed, and this is what my life looked like for the next few months. Me, passed out, just escaping from reality, with these beastly legs resting by my side. I was absolutely physically and emotionally broken. The thought of living the rest of my life with these hunks of hardware as my legs was so depressing and so overwhelming, but little did I know at this time that my biggest loss, my legs, would eventually become my biggest asset. But at this time, all I knew was that in order to move forward with my life, I had to somehow learn how to let go of the old Amy and learn how to embrace the new Amy. And just as I started to get used to this new body and this new life, I found out that I had yet another mountain to climb when I found out that my kidneys had failed to heal on their own. And my reaction, I lost it. I screamed words that I could never repeat. I pleaded with God, Buddha, Mother Nature, Mystery Universe, whoever is out there and holds the power to please, please make my kidneys come back because I was not going to have a kidney transplant. 
the thought of taking immune suppressive medication for the rest of my life completely freaked me out. Here, we were doing everything we could so that I would never get sick from something like meningitis again. My mom would actually drive an hour and a half each direction to buy this magical aloe juice, all in the hopes that it would boost my immune system and heal my kidneys. I was taking vitamins. I was working out again. We were doing everything we could so I would never get sick again from anything major. Yet with a kidney transplant, I would have to take immune suppressive medication for the rest of my life. So it felt like a catch-22. And to say that I was absolutely devastated would be an understatement. However, it was times like these, times that I had zero control over, that first prompted me to ask myself that really important question. If my life was a book, and I was the author of that book, how would I want my story to go? And what this question did is, first of all, it gave me clarity in my darkest days on what I wanted for my life and what I didn't want for my life. And what I didn't want is I didn't want people feeling sorry for me. I didn't want to be a victim. I didn't want to be, oh, Amy the amputee or, oh, that poor girl over there with a disability. That is absolutely what I didn't want. So this question allowed me to think of, well, what is it that I do want for my life? And I saw myself walking gracefully. I saw myself somehow helping other people through my journey. And I saw myself snowboarding again. And I didn't just see myself carving down this mountain of powder. I visualized it so strongly that I could actually feel it. I could feel the wind against my face and the beat of my racing heart as if it was happening in that very moment. And that passion and that fire that I felt inside that is when a new chapter of my life began. The first time I got back up on a snowboard, didn't really go as expected. My knees and my ankles wouldn't bend. And at one point I fell and I hit a bump. I fell, my goggles went one way, my gloves went the other way, my legs still attached to my snowboard went flying down the mountain. Meanwhile, I was still sitting on top of the mountain, completely embarrassed. I heard a lady scream from the chairlift which I'm sure she racked up years of therapy bills after that. <laughs> it's like the last thing you want to see when you're learning to ski or snowboard is somebody break into pieces. I mean, there were body parts everywhere. My sister and my friend had to hike down the mountain, pick up my legs that were still attached to my snowboard, hike it back up to me. And little did I know that this was the beginning of my Olympic and Paralympic career. And thank God I didn't give up because I almost did. I remember thinking, obviously, it's impossible to snowboard in two prosthetic legs. This is why you don't see it every day. But then I thought, well, if I can get these detachable body parts to stay attached to my body, if I can get my ankles to move in the way that I needed them to, then maybe I can do this again. And that is when I learned that the borders and the obstacles in our lives can only do two things. One, stop us dead in our tracks, and two, force us to get creative. So that's what I did. I went home. I spent a year calling all the adaptive ski schools and all the prosthetic manufacturers to see if they ever worked with a double leg amputee snowboarder before. And they all said no. And in fact, they all said the same thing. You should take your legs off and get in a mono ski. Well, I had two problems with this. One, I wasn't a skier. And two, I wanted to use my legs. I wanted to figure out a way to use them. I felt like, well, maybe 
maybe nobody has seen this because, I mean, maybe it hasn't been done before, but also maybe somebody hasn't really put the effort into trying to figure it out. And so that's what I decided to do. I started working with my prosthetist. We ended up making a pair of feet that I could snowboard in that were made of rubber, wood, neon pink duct tape. We would take one foot from one brand, another ankle from another brand. We basically Frankensteined this foot together, which by the way, this foot is now in the Smithsonian. So if you're ever walking through the Smithsonian in DC and you see a pair of feet with neon pink duct tape, you know that those are mine. (laughs) But believe it or not, it was these feet and the best 21st birthday gift I could ever receive, which was a new kidney from my dad, which by the way, I got to give my mom so much credit because she was at the hospital while both me and my dad were in surgery together. I just can't imagine what she went through at that time. But it was this kidney and it was these feet that allowed me to follow my dreams again and to snowboard again. I went back to work and then I went back to school and then I started pursuing all types of other creative projects. My husband and I at one point decided to start a nonprofit organization called Adaptive Action Sports, where we get youth, young adults, and wounded veterans with permanent physical disabilities into action sports like snowboarding and skateboarding. And the reason we started the organization was because at the time that I lost my legs, there were zero resources for somebody like me, somebody with a physical disability who wanted to get involved in action sports. But there were a lot of resources for somebody like me who wanted to get involved in classic sports like swimming and running. And from the very beginning, we had a pretty hefty goal. We wanted to try to get snowboarding into the 2014 Paralympic Games for the very first time, and so we made it our mission to do that. We started creating camps and clinics and events so that there would be a place for athletes to compete, and they had the training that they needed to compete. We started working with the ESPN Winter X Games and the Toyota Dew Tour and putting in adaptive snowboard competitions into their events and basically showcasing what these athletes can do. And through years of blood, sweat, and tears, in 2011, we finally got word that snowboarding would be a part of the 2014 Paralympic Games for the very first time. So now that the race to get snowboarding into the games was over, I then began the race to make the first ever U.S. Paralympic snowboard team, and I made it my mission to work around the clock with tools and mechanics on my feet because I was the only double-leg amputee competitive snowboarder worldwide at that time. So I didn't have anybody I could call and just say, hey, what kind of feet do you snowboard in? I really had to try to figure it out myself. And over the course of about 18 months, I gained about 15 pounds of muscle. I made the U.S. snowboard team, and I headed to Sochi, Russia, where I'm honored to say I became the first female to ever bring home a bronze medal in Paralympic snowboarding. Then I went back for my second Paralympic Games in 2018, And I'm honored to say I brought home another bronze medal, which I like to call my dirty gold, (laughs) or I'll call it my rose gold. I'm like, you know what? I don't look good in yellow gold anyways, so I'd prefer to have a rose gold. But anyways, so I came home with another bronze medal. And also, 
upgraded to a silver medal as well. But what's even better than that is that our organization was able to train eight out of the 13 athletes who made the U.S. snowboard team. That included two young wounded veterans, and altogether, the athletes from our organization were able to bring home six Paralympic medals for our country and for Team USA. And from doing some of these other things with our organization and snowboarding and being an athlete, that's what led me to do the TV show Dancing with the Stars. And then that ended up leading me to working with Oprah, where I did a speaking tour across the country with her. And then from there, I went on to write my book, which then became a New York Times bestseller. And what's so amazing about that is that by sharing my own journey and my story, I'm able to connect with so many people across the world who then share their stories with me. My book has been written in 10 different languages, which is so amazing to me. And so therefore, people are sending me their letters in different languages as well. And I just feel like it's so cool what storytelling can do. And that's a big kind of inspiration and motivation for me to not just share my stories, but to do a podcast like this where I can help to share other people's stories as well. And so looking back on my life and the challenges I've faced and the accomplishments I've had, I realized none of this would have happened had I have not lost my legs. Had I have not faced some of the biggest challenges of my life, I wouldn't have gone on to have some of the greatest experiences of my life. So the two go hand in hand, challenge and opportunity. And you know, we may think life would be easier without all of the change and without all of the challenge that comes our way, but I've learned it's that change and it's that challenge that forces us to figure out what we're really made of. It makes us dig deep. It makes us find our fire. And it makes us get creative because that's the only way to reach beyond the reality of this current moment is by accepting what is, but most importantly, daydreaming of what could be. When I look back on my challenges and my obstacles, I realize, you know, there's no way to expedite the process. There's no way to have the good without the bad. You need every step along the way to become everything that you were put here on this earth to be. It's just looking at our challenges as motivators and our obstacles as opportunities to learn and to grow. When I lost my legs, I had no idea what to expect. But if you ask me today if I'd ever want to change my situation, I would tell you no. Because my legs haven't disabled me. If anything, they enabled me. They forced me to rely on my imagination and to believe in the possibilities. And that's why I believe that our imaginations are huge tools for breaking through all the borders in our lives. Because in our minds, we can do anything and we can be anything. It's believing in those dreams and facing our fears head on that allows us to live our lives beyond our limits. So a thought that I'd like to leave with you is maybe instead of looking at our challenges and our obstacles as something that's negative or bad, maybe we can begin to look at them as blessings, as these little gifts that can be used to ignite our imaginations and help us go further than we ever knew we could go. Because it's not about overcoming our obstacles. It's about using them. It's about pushing off of them and seeing what amazing places they might bring us. And so I want to end this by asking you the question that I asked myself in my darkest days. If your life was a book and you were the author, how would you want your story to go?
And what I mean by this is you don't have to write a book. (laughs) I'm not asking you to write a book. I'm asking you to write what the rest of your life could look like and to believe it and to believe in the possibilities and to visualize it and then to go out there and to live it. I believe that we are the authors of our lives. Actually, let me go back and just say, I believe we are the co-authors of our lives. It's us and it's our higher power, God, the universe, divine energy, whatever it may be, we are the co-authors of our existence and the experience that we live. We cannot change the past or what's happened to us, but something we can control is how we react to it, and what we are going to do with it. So whatever you are going through today, just know that it doesn't end here. What if you could write the rest of your life story? What would that look like? What would you do? For me, I remember thinking, just because I lost my legs, like it doesn't end here. If I, if I had control over what the rest of my life looked like, what would it be? And that's when I daydreamed and saw myself walking and saw myself snowboarding. I didn't know how I was going to do those things. I just knew that I was because I saw it and I felt it in my heart. And you have the ability to do the same. So I say, write it down and do it and live it. So we always hear about resiliency as bouncing back. And to be honest, I almost named this podcast Bouncing Back. But then I thought, resiliency has nothing to do with bouncing back. We're not going back. There's no way to go back. Everything has changed. Even right now, in the day of COVID, there's no going back to how things were. Resiliency has nothing to do with bouncing back to who we once were. It has everything to do with accepting what is and bouncing forward to all that we could be. So this is just one part of my story and journey. And I can't wait to hear yours. If you have a story that you want to share with me, if you think that there would be a great person that I could interview and you want to hear their story, or if you have topics that you would love for me to cover on this podcast, please email me at hello at amypurdy.com. Also, if you liked this podcast, please make sure to subscribe because it actually boosts the podcast so more people can see and hear this episode. And if you liked it, if you can share it with your friends and family, screen capture it, post it on your stories, say why you liked it, tell people you need to listen to this podcast. It helps me so much and it allows us to all work together and help inspire and empower other people to own their stories and to live their best lives as well. So thank you so much. I can't wait to connect with you again. Thank you so much for tuning in to Bouncing Forward. My mission is to show that no matter what our circumstances, if you want something bad enough and if you feel it in your heart and your soul, that the possibilities of what we can achieve are endless. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode and please leave a review to help me help more people bounce forward. I want to leave you with this one question. If your life was a book and you were the author, how would you want your story to go? From this podcast, I hope you walk away seeing that although we can't control the things that happen to us, we can always control the way we react to them. We determine where our story goes from here. 
It's not about bouncing back to who we once were. It's about bouncing forward and becoming all that we could be.